You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Half Hour with Jeff and Richie. I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie. In today's episode, we'll be diving into New York City Center Encore's production of Once Upon a Mattress. If you're looking to learn more about our take on the show or want to take a deeper dive into the production, you're in the right place. Throughout our conversation, we'll be discussing key aspects of the show, sharing our insights, and giving you a closer look at what makes Once Upon a Mattress a must-see production. And just a heads up, there will be spoilers ahead, so if you're ready to take the deeper dive, or if you won't have the chance to see the show but still want to know more, then stick around and enjoy this episode. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Half hour. Welcome to today's show, everyone. As we mentioned earlier, today we're going to be exploring New York City Center Encore's production of Once Upon a Mattress, which is January 2024. And with that, I just want to give a little bit of quick one, two, three on the show. Um, For those of you who don't know, this is a, well, I'll explain a little bit. New York City Center Encore's takes old shows and basically brings them to an off-Broadway style, concert style space for a limited run. And they do older shows throughout the year. So Once Upon a Mattress is a musical that debuted in 1959, marking the Broadway debut of composer Mary Rogers and actress Kyle Burnett, who played the spirited princess Winifred the Will Be Gone. Over six decades later, Broadway star Sutton Foster returns to the city center stage in a revival of this musical, led by Encore's artistic director, Lear DeBesonet, and featuring a new concert adaptation by Amy Sherman Palladino. The production celebrates the infectious energy and joy of the original. Once Upon a Mattress follows the story of Princess Winifred, who brings her free spirit to a repressed kingdom and triumphs with willpower, honesty, and support from her friends. The musical features catchy melodies like Shy and In a Little While, offering an uproarious update of Hans Christian Andersen's The Princess and the Bee. And there you have it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So let's get into our thoughts on plot, concept, and genre. Richie, how do you feel Once Upon a Mattress compares to other musicals of its time in terms of plot and concept? Well, this is one of the first musicals, if you look through Golden Age musical theater history, that was somewhat child-oriented or could be family-friendly. Of course, you had things like The Sound of Music and Annie, but those were more like the late 60s and into the 70s. -hmm. This was the late 50s. Um, yeah, you had, you know, Music Man was late 50s, West Side Story, other shows that were big spectacle shows. But this was taking a fairy tale and making it, a, and not Disney, right? Mm-hmm. And not any commercial organization. So I kind of look at this and I say, one of the original family-friendly musical theater comedies out there, which is why I think it's done so much mm-hmm. in communities and in high schools and everyone kind of 
you say once upon a mattress and everyone kind of knows someone's cousin's sister's brother who did it somewhere or somewhere, you know? Um, but it's got that golden age comedy to it. And there was tons of golden age comedy of the time, but there was something about this that seems timeless that every few years we see it. And to see it again with Sutton Foster, I will just start by saying that I was blown away by the city center production um, in so many ways. And I was, my heart was so full and warm of looking at this upcoming Broadway season, not to compare this to the other Broadway shows, but not seeing a big golden age musical in the works for this season. We had Music Man two years ago. We had Camelot. We do have Cabaret coming, which is, I guess you could consider that golden age, but it's dark and uh, not right. quite. It's um, different. It's a little different. The, the Wiz is not quite golden age. So, you know, Tommy's really not golden age. So, and so to see this was like, oh, I was so excited for this. And I've never seen a professional live stage production of Once Upon a Mattress before. So um, basically to answer your question, I feel like it, it does, it, it doesn't really compare to a lot of things of its time. I think it was cutting edge for its time. I mm -hmm. think it's still kind of new and fun and, and, and got this energy to it that's infectious of comedy. I, I just love it. Well, it's interesting. And a fun fact, I have never seen a production of Once Upon a, Ma Upon a Mattress ever. Wow. Is that, it's yeah. kind of odd, right? Because like even my elementary school or like when I was in high school, I did not do it. So, mm. and everyone's always like, yeah, well, like everyone does Once Upon a Mattress at least like once in their life. And I was like, not me. You want to know why? Because it's, in, it's ensemble based. There's a lot of bit roles for a lot of different people. Um, you, if you have an actor who just wants to maybe not sing, then that's the king, right? You know, like there's so many different ways to play different characters, a female and male. Do you feel like this show has really like influenced theater in a different way after it came out? Like, what do you feel like it might have influenced? It might have influenced the Bye Bye Birdie, Annie kind of 60s and 70s vibe of like splashy, kid-friendly sound of music kind of i think it kind of definitely because this was the late 50s right so like i said earlier like west side story not extremely family friendly uh music man was that was the late 50s too but uh i think it could have definitely inspired things also just for those of you who don't know mary rogers who wrote this is the daughter of richard rogers mm -hmm. who was famously wrote you know most of what golden age musical theater is as we know it richard and then mary rogers writes this and mary rogers son adam Gettle writes Light in the Piazza, is writing Days of Wine and Roses right now for the Broadway stage. So a family legacy of musical theater writers in, the, in its third generation is pretty inspiring, you know. Yeah, um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And, but since you have such a big background in music, Jeff, and you love music so much, I just wanted to get your feelings a little bit on some of the score, mm -hmm. music and lyrics in particular. Do you feel like the score works compared to other Golden Age scores? It adds to the character development. What do you think of the score? I feel like I half love the score and I half don't okay that's just me and you know me in golden age i appreciate it though um and i love seeing that full orchestra up on that stage and hearing the score it's great sometimes the lyrics converge on being a little corny and you have to kind of set yourself aside from that by saying like oh okay is this a kid show or is it an adult show because there is a lot of like adult humor in this show as well that could go over a kid's head which is fine um but yeah, I mean, I think when you have a golden age musical, you have like 
you know, four or five really big standout songs that everyone knows. And then there's a lot of filler. And I feel like that's with most of the Golden Age shows. But the score alone is beautiful to me, like listening to that. And it's interesting because Mary Rogers didn't have a ton of hits besides this. I know she wrote some of the things, but this was like her big thing. And I think of Shy stands out. That's a kind of a classic. A lot of people audition with that song. A lot of people sing that song. It's a belter moment. Um, it's just very impressive for her um, to have written this. And uh, I, I, how do you feel like her score reflects the broader trends in musical composition, though, during the late 50s? Like I've mentioned some music. You know, there are some campy, hokey music man moments in this for sure. Well, that's some why ballad. I think it works. Yeah, right, right. And you know, that's and, why I think it works, and that's why I think it makes this show a classic. Yeah, for sure. And why so many people do it because it's like it kind of takes from what was already working during that time and moves it along. And, you know, and then we start moving into the different genres. And this show is cool because it balances like lighthearted comedy, but it also has like the underlining social commentary here. How do you feel like this show? really takes those themes and kind of brings them to each different era. Well, I feel like Amy Sherman Palladino's rewriting of some of this Mm -hmm. for the concert version felt like it trimmed it up a little bit. It tightened it up. It got rid of some filler. There was some modernism brought brought in there. I think Lady Larkin's character was changed quite a bit. Usually, I know in the 90s revival, which had Sarah Jessica Parker, actually, Mm -hmm. as and and and, uh, and Jane Krakowski played Lady Larkin. And usually Lady Larkin's just like, oh, I'm pregnant and I need to get married. And I thought Nikki Renee Daniels brought this like um, energy that was like strong female. I need to figure out my life. There was a little bit of strength there. I thought, I think there's a lot of strong female characters in this piece. The queen, as much as she is evil and not great, is strong and rules the kingdom over the king who is literally speechless. Mm-hmm. That is cutting edge for its time. If you think of when P- Disney was releasing Cinderella and Snow White and some of those films of the 30s, 40s, and 50s, what was happening in those films was the woman had to be rescued by man. And then this comes along and it's like a woman's ruling the kingdom. A woman comes to be the strong princess of the town. Lady Larkin is, is, is a lady in waiting. And the women of this piece seem to be really strong. I think that set the stage for strong female roles moving through you know, Gypsy was a big, strong female show of the 50s. And so, you know, there's definitely others. But this was had that edge to it, I think, for sure. I agree. Yeah. I do agree because I feel like, especially with modernizing some of the themes here, it's like, it's nice to see. And I like that they kind of pulled in like current modern things. Like, I think I even saw a, a suitcase at one point that was like modern in here. Like she was getting ready to leave yeah. on the stage. And I'm like, I think... To me, that's adding to the camp part of this and like just bringing that in there. And it's fun, which kind of leads me like into our next section of this around direction. We'll be right back. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome back. 
And how do you feel, especially this is your what your second city center encores uh, production now. So how do you feel like the concert style works and how do you feel like the director can either like bring these golden age shows to the next level or do they fall flat? This city center encores production is so fresh. Mm-hmm. And what this is, is a complete fresh take on this old story. So the direction of it was concert style orchestra on stage, not huge production numbers with choreo. There was some choreo, but it was a fresh way of telling the story and it was cast well. It was designed well. Uh, Lear DeBesne actually stepped out on stage and spoke to us. We were at the opening night of this and said, we rehearsed this in 10 days and had a couple tech rehearsals and put it together and it shows the professionalist. And I will say the direction of this was simple. It was clean. It wasn't over cluttered. It wasn't trying to reinvent itself. When I, if you listen back to my pal Joey episode and I talked about how that was trying to reinvent that whole show change, change, change. And, and then it fell flat. It was messy. I didn't feel like this with Once Upon a Mattress at all. Telling to people, telling the story, yes, adding some, of course, get a book doctor to go in and kind of clean it up a little bit. It's been 50, 60 years. So of right. course. Um, but I thought it was clean. I like clean staging. I like when line, lines are delivered clear and the message is there and I'm not confused. And then what do I always say here? Trust your audience. Of I think the audience was totally trusted. You, Jeff, who didn't know this plot at all, was able to probably basically follow this whole plot for the most part in terms of what's going on. Oh, would yeah. you say? Yeah. Right. He's, well, I know the story. I've just never yeah. have seen a production of Once Upon a Mattress. That's my mm. only thing. Like, I know the story of the princess and the pea. Yeah. So that's fine. I think kind of like to touch on what you're talking about, though, it's like. I think there's such a craving right now for these golden age shows because it's something that's really lacking in what we're getting in the Broadway season. So when we see something like this, and I I know as soon as this was announced and as soon as Sutton Foster was announced in the casting, you were like freaking out because Mm -hmm. you were like, oh my God, like I need to see Once Upon a Mattress and like, oh, and it's Sutton Foster. And then the cast continued on and on, like with Michael Yeary playing Prince Dauntless and Nikki Renee Daniels playing Lady Larkin and Jay Harrison G playing the Jester and Cheyenne Jackson playing Sir Harry and Harriet Harris playing Queen Agravan. Agravain. Agravain. Mm-hmm. Well, aggravates just... everyone. But like it just went on and on from like each person down. And you were like, yes, I want to see that person. And yes, and yes, and yes. And because of that, I think like what's cool with these concert style productions is like it doesn't need to be over the top and just give the people what they want well let's talk some about these character performances Mm -hmm. too for sure is there any out of all those people you named i could sit here and say this whole cast was strong everyone i I don't think there was one person that i was like oh that was miscast or that person Mm -hmm. was a lot weaker every single person up there was so wonderful i have not heard nikki renee daniels sing like that and i've seen her in things before and i'm like Oh, okay. Where are you not playing the golden age roles? You have the voice of an angel. Cheyenne, hilarious. Michael Yuri, that man is going to just keep doing comedy. Like, uh, all, and Harriet Harris is carrying the show. Well, she really is. Like, she's in this whole show and she's so good at what she does. I am like blown. Every time I see Harriet Harris's name in a show, I am like, oh, they 
that show is set now because Harriet's in it and she's going to carry it. And obviously the role is a villain role in this Once Upon a Mattress. But she, when she has the long monologue at the desk, I'm like, does anybody know how difficult this is? That she's doing? like, she was great. I just, I just kudos to her. I mean, she was great. They were all great. Yeah, I would say like this cast is really making this whole show. They're all so great. And they all bring such different like expertise and performing to the role. And you had mentioned something to me after that Lady Larkin is usually played more like a little like silly girl-ish rather than being more like, what would you say? rooted in her cause things like yeah, that. and yeah. i feel like what they added to this character was that and i was fine with it like i don't feel like every single character needed to be like a mockery of someone like yeah the comic the comedy is great because i still think she brought an element of comedy to the role she did i she, will she, she brings, sang it really she well brings, but the comedy that i feel like she brought was this like okay, I'm just going to roll my eyes at the man for being mm. so, you know, basic man. And mm. that was a different type of comedy. It's not the silly girl comedy. Yes. And that was nice to see something a little different like that. Mm. I thought the jester was wonderful. The soft shoe dance number at the end is a wonderful 11 o'clock number moment. Yeah. Uh, it, I do feel like it, it, in some of the book structure of this act two is prolonging this very, like, Act one kind of moves and then act two is like, okay, are we going to get to the mattress moment when she's going to sleep? Because we're like, we have the boy flower, girl flower song, you know, we have the tap dance song, the soft shoes, all that. But I, but in terms of talking about character, let's yeah, just take a to, moment to talk about the, the, the character in the room here. Son Foster, Princess Winifred, you know, I, and this woman is going on to play Mrs. Lovett in Sweeney Todd in like three weeks. Like, and she was just son, uh, she was just Marion Peru in The Music Man. And we saw her as charity in Sweet Charity a few years back. This woman, I will, every single time I see Sutton Foster's name on a show, and I could probably say this for the rest of my life or her life, I could say, okay, it's going to be great. Like, like it's going it, to, I don't know. Everything around her could be oh, alarms going off and fires and sh and it, the whole show would still be a saving grace. And that's no disservice to the show because this whole show was still very good. Yeah, because it, it, I'm going to say something about that. Yeah. Watching the show, because she doesn't really come on for no. the first 20 minutes. No, maybe even 30 minutes. She and really I comes was watching the show and I'm like, this song is so strong. And then I remembered probably whenever 25 minutes in, oh wait, Sutton Foster hasn't even come on the stage yet. And I'm like, this show is already so good. And I was like, this is going to go through the roof as soon as she comes on the stage. But, but and I, it did. It happened. When we saw Sun Foster do charity, I said, oh, she's channeling Gwen. She knows what she came from with Gwen Vernon. She's going to make it her own, but she's going to channel Gwen. We're going to go see Sweeney Todd and I'm probably going to say the same thing, which is kind of what I said about Annalie Ashford, which you channeled okay. Angela Lansbury, but you still made it your own. When I'm watching this iconic Carol Burnett role, which everyone knows in On Once Upon a Mattress, Carol Burnett's big Broadway thing was this role. And then we know Carol Burnett for all the years. She had her ear moments. She had her faces. She had her silly, silly moments. Sutton does that, but then also doesn't do that mm -hmm. and brings this physical comedy of splits and, and jumps and, and, and 
hair and and silly goofy faces but vocal she's changing her vocal inflection at times to sing the songs in a slightly different way listen we all love Sutton Foster belting out Thoroughly Modern Millie don't get me wrong we can we'll always get that belt did we get full belt from Sutton the whole show no we got it in shy and then the rest of the show her other songs were like more like musical theater speak sing she made it her own. Mm-hmm. She knows what she had to come from for Carol Burnett. She knows people were going to compare her to Carol Burnett. And she still made it her own. And this woman is just taking these iconic roles. Even I even said this about the music. She did not do Marion the way it's normally done by Barbara Cook and Shirley Jones and all the people that came before her. Yet she made it her own. Mm-hmm. If there's anything that this woman is doing a thousand percent correct in this industry is taking a role that has already been played by very famous people some of them Tony Award winners, and then makes it her own, but doesn't make it her own to the point where like, oh, this character is different now. Ew. It's just so different. It's like, yes, you found the heart of this character. Well, she makes it so effortless. Effortless. And I'm watching her and I'm like, you are a joy. You are charm. You are energy. You are smile. You are pleasantry. You are grit. You are... Everything. I am so relaxed when I see her on stage because I'm like, this woman is giving my soul. Mm-hmm. I and I don't say that, Jeff, about many people. You know this. I no, really don't, don't sit I here and talk about many people like I do about her. She's really one of those performers that I feel like she can't really do much wrong. And even though, like, if you want to like not like her, you still end up liking her because she just has that like ability, and it's great. It really is great. And as soon as she got on that stage. And, you know, she's in this this wig by Jay Jarajanis that, you know, you're like, whoa, OK, and like so wacky and kooky. And you're just like, OK, come on, we're going there. The raccoon out of the hair was hilarious because the snake was funny. The leeches was funny. And then the raccoon, I'm like, she's got a whole stuffed animal raccoon in her hair. And yeah. it's just like, it's just brilliant. And I, I can just, talk about her all day, but I, I just think there's nothing that woman can do wrong. I think she's so good at what she no. does. And it just added to so many things, especially like the design perspective here. We had a set by David Zinn, costume design by Andrea Hood. And how did you feel like this captured the whole once upon a mattress feat? We'll be right back. Let's jump back into things. What is totally clear here and what I appreciate immensely designers of the world was clearly the set lighting and costume designer sat together and worked together on this because I'm so passionate about this because when I saw the set was all black and white, I was like, yep, this is exactly what we need because now all these costumes are going to pop and the green of Lady Larkin and the blue of of her of uh princess winifred and the red of harriet harris and the i i think i think it's periwinkle oh periwinkle, i think she said yes, Perry. i yes, think she said Perry. you're right <laughs> or Huck, huckleberry. huckleberry huckleberry yes oh. yes because she's a huckleberry Fair. pie correct but, me <laughs> but but the gestures jay harrison's costume with those hanging loops were gorgeous and i'm like oh my gosh this has tony nominations written all over it especially if they bring this to broadway which i hope they do and expand the set and expand the costumes and give them more because i'm like oh the costumes are popping the set is black and white but not plain black and white like eye popping black and white to let the characters pop it was like a storybook unfolded, but it wasn't clunky because sometimes that can be clunky. And it was instead seamless and beautiful and still campy and charming and fairy tale esque. And 
Oh, 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 it was so well designed. It was oh, so yeah. well designed. And the colors totally popped. And the costume design was, yeah, I agree. Beautiful. Totally. It really adds to that. And something that we did talk about, because like, like, let's go into our own experiences yeah. here. But I did want to kind of say, like, this is interesting that we're getting like really great productions from City Center and also Kennedy Center with these concert style shows that are transferring to Broadway. And my only critique on this is like, how do we get these show to expand bigger to the stage from what it is? Because I'm going to say something. We've seen a few of these productions now, and obviously we know like Chicago, the legend show that has been playing for all of these years after it was an encore show, I believe. Correct. Correct. And that just like works, but it's not probably what's expected for every show that transfers from encores. Like this is great. The cast is amazing, but like I'm going to want full set and costumes are great, but I'm going to want more. I'm going to want well, more choreo. I'm going to, you know, and like bring that and give that because you're going to, if you're going to be paying like Broadway dollars to see the show, then I think you need to elevate this. This is like the base. This is like the preview of what it could be. Well, two things I'll say. One is money. Yeah. It's always going to be about money. Number two, if every city center encore show transferred to Broadway, we would lose the charm of city center encores. Mm -hmm. So I don't think every show should transfer. I don't even think out of the three or four that they do a year that even one should. I think Into the Woods was a different thing because Steve Stephen Sondheim had just died. This was a stellar cast. We hadn't seen the, the emotion of Into the Woods was needed, I think, for the time. You know, Oliver was last year. They thought that was going to transfer. I haven't heard anything about Oliver. Now this. You know, I don't know. I, but Parade could. transferred. And now Spamalot from Kennedy Center transferred. And we're just seeing some of this happening. And I don't, like, I'm going to put this more on the producer side of thing. Like, let's producers, like, be inspired by this, but, like, take it to the next level. Because this is great, but it's going to need to level up for the Broadway stage. Interestingly enough, I don't think that it, I, I'm going to say something. Lighting, costumes, full orchestrations. That all seems to transfer pretty well. If you're talking about like a spam a lot when the stage was cut in half and we, or Chicago when the stage is cut in half and we're trying to limit. I'm talking about the one unit set that we just watched the whole time. Yeah. It's like a little yeah. bit like, okay, mm -hmm. I, people complain about that. Mm -hmm. So this is setting this show up to say, hey, think about it if you're going to transfer it. Because right now with this cast working their behinds off for this yeah it has every right to transfer and there was just choreo moments it. we there were some choreo moments where it totally could expand some of the choreo the spanish panic moment mm -hmm. the uh i'm, oh, I'm yeah. with an f and an r and an e and a d and you know that whole song there's on um, the, the soft shoe number you know they made some of the work but and boom. i did i have another big thing that i want to bring up here because this is something i started talking to you at intermission there is something about a golden age theater show that just brings joy to people. And I'm looking around this performance and I'm like, I, I feel like there's so much joy. It's a great night out. People are happy. And it made me think a little bit about this. And it's like, where is that in new works happening? And why do we feel like we're not able to do it anymore? Well, why do we, I guess, why are all the new things that are written? Like rock dark, musical, dark, musical, or dark. dark 
Well, I mean, Kimberly Akimbo in a way is is not quite dark, but it's also it's very But it's not a twenty seven piece orchestra no, right. golden age style musical. Right. I'm talking about like where is like the campiness. I think people where, like where? golden age musicals, which is why I think we still see them revived and you know, you see Cabaret come back and Fiddler on the Roof come back all the time and Gypsy come back every 10, 15 years. These shows that people like. Yeah, yeah I think we I, will. I don't I don't want to discredit the, the, the new works that are happening. I'm just more curious as to why does someone not want to write something that's Golden Age style? Like, mm. what would you say? Like, Wicked is maybe like the last like big, big musical that's probably in the style of Golden Age? Maybe. A lot of shows lately have been small piece bands, dark stories. And listen, I always believe in this industry, the pendulum swings back the other way. I think you have dark times and then you have light times and you have big spectacle times. Then you have the spring awakening times and then you have, you know, you have a little bit of everything. It just, and, and I, and there's always room for things, you know, but I, I will kind of wrap this. I mean, listen, my heart's always in golden age musical <laughs> theater. I will love everything. And especially when the right people are cast and the right design teams are put together. And, and freshen up a book a little bit and put it out there totally. Okay. Um, but um, David Gordon of Theater Mania has a quote, and he says, the show is just a great, and this is a quote from his review of this City Center Encores Once Upon a Mattress with Sutton Foster. He says, quote, the show is just a great night out and one that will delight people of all ages. Once Upon a Mattress never goes out of style. And? End quote. And you can't say about many shows that they never go out of style. That's a bold statement. Mm-hmm. and he's he's right you can keep i think when i'm 80 years old my great grandkids could be doing this show and i would still think it's fun. You right you know what i'm saying so well I, that's i think that's the beauty though of what i'm talking about with golden age it's not so like period or like well it is period but it's a cartoon or like a fairy tale mm-hmm. so fairy tales kind of live on forever and when you have something like this yeah anyone can go see this Everyone's going to leave cheery, you know, whether you like Golden Age or not. I always tell you, I'm not the biggest Golden Age fan, but there's something about it that's enjoyable. It really is. Well, I'm going to say a big, big thing, and this is going to segue to the last thing I wanted to say here because I know we're all out of time. When Golden Age musicals are done at Kennedy Center, at City Center Encores, at Lincoln Center, nine out of ten times they are large 20 to 30 piece orchestras. Maybe, maybe not 20 sometimes, maybe 17 or 18 pieces. When they are large orchestrations that were intended to be performed by the full orchestration, I bet you, Jeff, subconsciously, that's why you're enjoying it so much because you're hearing a full lavish orchestra. Yeah, because and, this is where you look at an orchestra and you say it's part of the show. It's not an afterthought. And, and, and that's why I wanted to say, speaking of this, this Encores Orchestra is brilliant, by the way. Every instrument you can imagine is up there. And a very special shout out to Amber Duchateau, who's the build as the associate music director on this. Um, she's a friend of mine. She's extremely talented. She worked really hard on this. And I just wanted to do a shout out to her yes, because bravo. I know it's a wonderful work she's done on this. And I, and I can't congratulate that whole music team. I feel like I'm hearing the score and I, I sitting for five minutes and watching an overture played. I, I know people complain, oh, get on with the show. Who wants to sit? People talk during the overture. No one was talking last night during that overture. We were because, watching this orchestra play it, and it was beautiful. Because it beautiful. it's not saturated anymore. Mm. That's missing. So. Yeah, it was, it was wonderful to be seen and heard out there for sure. So. And oh there's our gosh. own orchestra. There we go. <laughs> 
Well, that does wrap up our discussion for this episode. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into Once Upon a Mattress at New York City Center Encores. The show is playing until February 4th in Midtown Manhattan, and we will share the link in our description with ticket information if you're interested in checking this out. Yes, and don't forget, we do want to hear from you, so continue the conversation with us on Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast. And let us know your thoughts on Once Upon a Mattress. And if you enjoyed our show, please leave us a review. Your feedback helps us bring more theater to you. Remember, you can listen to our past episodes and stay tuned for upcoming ones. We have lots of theater coming up for y'all. So make sure you check it out. We usually release two episodes a week. So you got lots to listen to. So until next time, I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie saying ta-ta for now. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.